Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. But before we get into it, we do have a pack stack for you today. Just a little note here at the top. We have been requesting that you all drop us some reviews, review requests, excuse me, in the iTunes comments, either for old uh, graphic novels, trades, or something else. Uh, Our most recent request was for the Empowered Omnibus, which we said we were going to review this week, but as it turns out, our third host, Justin, is actually not going to be in today. I mean, that guy's off getting famous. He is. He's off getting famous. So we're going to hold off on that, but if you do want to drop a request for a review, again, in the iTunes comments, please drop it there. We would love to check it out, and we will review Empowered Omnibus when all three Three of us are back together, but let's kick it off with some new stuff. Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Carlos Pancheco, Rafael Fonteras, and Carlos Magno. This is a storyline that Dan Slott has basically been teasing his entire career at Marvel in various respects. So in this issue, we finally find out what's going on here. It turns out the Reckoning War was the first war in the Marvel Universe. It was the Watchers versus a group called the Reckoning, and they used weapons from the Watchers to nearly destroy the universe before the Watchers stopped them. And then ultimately decided, you know what, we can't do this anymore. We're just going to watch stuff. That's all that's going to go on. But a lot of what this book does is it takes the various threads and characters that Dan has been teasing out for the past several decades, I guess, at this point, uh, and trying to bring it all together in one big epic storyline. So given all that build up, Pete, what'd you think? How'd it turn out? Holy shit. Dan is a really... Uh, killing it he is taking on so much there's so much in this issue it is jam packed of stuff it is a lot i had to read it twice man like it is a lot going on um at like edge to edge this is just like (laughs) just packed it's like Dan Slott's like, you know what, Hickman? I can do this shit too, bro. What's up? Well, I, I think what comes across, and maybe this is part of knowing the backstory here, but what comes across is this is something that has been sitting in his head for years at this point, and it feels like it's all bursting out of this issue. It's just all this like, I did the stuff on She-Hulk, and I did the stuff on Fantastic Four, and I did the stuff on Spider-Man, and all of these things are coming together, and here we go, and let's put it all in here, and okay, all right, we go. And because of that impression. 
What? Thank you very much. And because of that, it does have this great feel of those classic crossovers like uh, Secret Wars or something like that, where there are so many things happening at the same time and so many big things happening. I think it almost feels very retro in that way versus a lot of modern events are like, here's one idea. Now we're going to play that out slowly over the course of seven issues. I don't think that's what's going on here at all. This is bringing together a lot of different threads from the Marvel Universe. Uh, It's a lot of fun. There's fun moments throughout here. And I think, as usual, Dan does what he does so well, which is if you don't know anything about any of this stuff, you can still read it and be absolutely fine. And that's very impressive. Yeah, I I think this is very exciting to see uh, what's going on. There's a lot of huge kind of moments there's some real oh shit moments in here for sure um i just i wanted to slow down a little bit so i can catch up but man this is very exciting and a hell of a first issue i really can't wait to see how this is all gonna unfold me too next up monkey prince number one from dc comics written by gene lun yang art by bernard chang this is expanding on a core character that they introduced previously and tying in very nicely to the Lunar New Year. Now, this is about a kid who finds out that he has the powers of the mythical monkey prince and comes right up against Batman. So is it setting up a new hero in the DC universe or is it setting up a new villain? Either way, I had a blast reading this. It's very fun. And the art by Bernard Chang is great as well. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, great art. Really interesting story. Uh, Batman sure looks like a dick in this comic, which is interesting. Also, you know, you uh, heads just kind of fall off, apparently. Like, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. This I is, think- you know this story, right? But I was dating a girl who said, whatever you do, don't take the yellow ribbon off of my neck. And that was all I could think about. Night and oh, day, yeah. I was obsessed then, with it. And then you just, yeah, you just yank, it, yank uh, it a little bit. No, all right, this is getting weird. Um, But, yeah, I think this is a, a solid kind of start to this. Uh, it's a it's a it's a fantastic first issue. Absolutely. Next up, speaking of fantastic first issues, New Masters, number one from Image Comics, written by Shobo Coker, art by Shoff Coker. This is a new, very wild world that takes place in a post-apocalyptic society where really... As far as we can tell, the only burgeoning or functioning civilization is in Africa. There's this whole wild interdimensional multiversal treasure hunt that's going to be going on here. There's so many ideas at play, but I loved discovering every single one of them. And in particular, the art by Chef Coker is pretty phenomenal here throughout. And uh, there's some great character designs. Pete, how did this one strike you? Yeah, I agree. The character designs are great. Art's unbelievable. This is a really uh, another great first issue, but I really uh, love this. I love the, the main character. I love her mechanical sidekick. Uh, I think this is just like... Just from the first time we kind of see this character, we're like, oh, yeah, this this is my guy. This is my person. We're going to kind of roll through this adventure, and I'm excited about it. I think this character is very interesting and different enough that uh, really kind of sets it apart from other comics. I, I'm really impressed with this uh, first issue. This kind of post-apocalyptic world uh, seems interesting through this character's eyes. 
The Excellent, number one from Marvel, written by Peter Milligan, art by Michael Allred and Laura Allred. This is continuing the story told in Ecstatics. And here we have a new team called The Excellent, who is kind of the evil social media savvy version of the Ecstatics while they're trying to regain some of their former glory at the same time. As usual with this book, uh, first of all, I love the All Reds art so much. I will read absolutely anything that they put together. Worth but it also, for the art alone is what you're saying? I am saying worth it for the art of loan, but also worth it for the story alone because Peter Milligan does such a good job of skewering social media and comics and fandom and all of these things. It's so smart and so funny, and I'm just excited to be back in this part of the Marvel Universe again. Yeah, uh, Peter Milligan, unbelievable writer. Uh, I definitely have loved a ton of his stuff. This is is for me like very creative, unbelievable art. It do it does get tripped out in ways that sometimes lose me, uh, but uh, still definitely really cool and uh, uh, worth checking out. I just I love the idea here of that ecstatics was all about reality stardom and that's not what stardom is anymore. So that the excellent are dealing instead with social media stardom. So this friction between what isn't even old media, but like two year old media and current media is just very smartly told again, really enjoying it quite a bit. And if somebody works in the media, you got to kind of feel both sides to this, right? Cause I you feel- are, Old, but then you know, young well, teen shows make you feel alive again and young. I feel like I connect really well with the teens. Oh my god, that was the creepiest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Detective Comics number 1051 from DC Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki, Matthew Rosenberg, art by Max Rayner, Fernando Blanco. In this issue, once again, we're getting two stories here. The front story is all about Arkham Tower and what's going on there. Turns out they're being manipulated by Psycho Pirate. And it's all part of a big con just to get some bula. And in the backstory, we're finding, once again, a story of a young kid who may be a villain, may be a hero. We'll see what happens. Oh, my God. This All right. First off, uh, this this continues to be awesome. There's this, you know, uh, Psycho Pirate, not one of my favorites, uh, but used well here. And if, if, what an interesting kind of idea with the whole... Arkham deal. Um, it's all going to go horribly wrong. And in the, in this issue, we kind of have a little bit of a slip. Um, but man, also the backup, like this kid. Oh, I don't know which way this is going to go. I mean, now the kid is getting kind of like lured in by penguin and, uh, um, this is just continues to be such an interesting idea and so well done. Uh, amazing art all around. Uh, just a, a great, a great package here because you're getting a fantastic main story and then an unbelievable backup. Yeah, I, I love this so much. I mean, I know you were kind of joking about it with the last issue, but thank you for making us read the beginning of this because this was so good. This honestly has a passed by Batman for me in terms of being one of the best Batman stories, wow. even though he's not even in it. He's barely in it at all. Yeah. You Batman know? who? 
It's so good. It's just a good Gotham City story. But the front story, like the thing that's working about Psycho Pirate here is Mariko Tamaki writes him as a dweeb, which he is. <laughs> and it just makes so much sense. It works for this con. It works for this thing. And you can doing. say that because you're a dweeb. Exactly. I. It's the first time I saw myself on screen. <laughs> and the back story, like you were talking about, is almost like this Oliver type thing of this sad, poor kid who gets kicked around to various people. Yeah. I love where this is going. It's going in so many different directions that I did not expect. Very exciting stuff. Let's move on and talk about Geiger, 80-page giant, number one from Image Comics, written by Big Deep Breath here. Jeff Johns, Peter J. Tomasi, Sterling Gates, Leon, Leon Hendricks III, Pornsack Pinnachot, Janet Harvey Nevela, and Jay Farber, art by Gary Frank, Brian Hitch, Peter Steberg, Kelly Jones, Staz Johnson, Sean Galloway, Megan Levin, Joe Prado, and Paul Pelletier. This is a bunch of different stories told in the world of Geiger, who is a radioactive man in a post-apocalypse. Here, we're getting to see a bunch of things, including the kickoff of a new series called Red Coat, which is going to be by Jeff Johns and Brian Hitch in the same world, as well as a bunch of stories told about the different casinos that are still active in this post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalyptic Vegas. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I don't know if we are all sort of, 50-50 is probably too strong, but like, Took a while for three Geiger. of us, so saying yeah, fifty fifty is. I'll say thirty three, thirty three, thirty three. Uh, <laughs> Geiger, I love the Gary Frank art. I was. It took me a while to get into the story. I thought this collection was awesome. I really liked it a lot. I loved a lot of the stories. There was, I think it was Sterling Gates and Kelly Jones. I could be wrong. We're working on the story about the not Bella Lugosi. It's another. Uh, uh, sort of old school monster movie thing. Like they were just sort of a bunch of dark Twilight Zone-ish tales. It was set in this world. And I thought they were so cool and so enjoyable. What did you think about this issue, Pete? Um, yes. Uh, I'm trying to look it up, uh, which one it was. Um, anyways, oh, sorry, I got distracted there. Yeah, I, I, as one of the Geiger heads on this podcast, I, I, I think that they're, uh, some really great tales in this, uh, especially the heartwarming tale of how he got that two-headed uh, beast dog. Uh, really cool. Glad we got that story in. Um, yeah, I think uh, unbelievable art, some great storytelling. You really get a ton uh, for your money uh, in this giant 80-page extravaganza. The end of, I think it was the sixth issue of Geiger, which revealed this wasn't just a radioactive man story, but a bigger world that Jeff Johns was building with these collaborators. Mm -hmm. It really feels like between that and this 80 page giant that the lid is off in terms of what he is trying to do here, that it almost felt like it was kind of holding back on. We've got these secrets for the first couple of issues. Now that we're past that, I'm excited to see what happens with Geiger. I'm excited to see what happens with this character, Redcoat, who is a dude who basically has been cursed since the Revolutionary War and is still walking around in this post-apocalyptic landscape. There's a robot guy. There's an ultimate evil they need to fight. All, fight. Great stuff. And the art is gorgeous. It's an all-star team that was put together here. So even if you haven't read Geiger, I think you can jump in and pick this up. Next up... 
Savage Spider-Man number one from Marvel, written by Joe Kelly, art by Gerardo Sandoval. This is not exactly a new number one because it's continuing nonstop Spider-Man. Now Spider-Man is on an island. He is a big spider beast and chasing around some people and turning them into spider beasts as well. Pete, you're a big Joe Kelly fan. What did you think about this one? Yeah, this is really awesome. Um, it's it's a little kind of like because uh, the Savage Spider-Man is a, a little like uh, disheveled. Uh, so we're not sure all the things that are happening and why. Uh, but man, it is uh, it's really intense and really funly over the top. Uh, great uh, Baron Zemo here. Uh, always fun. Yeah, Joe Kelly does a great job with humor and action, and I think this is really on display here in this kind of, like, yoked up, uh, beef-caked-out issue that's all just kind of uh, over-the-top and fun. Man, that's your new word, huh? Yoked? Yeah, I guess so. One Star Squadron, number three from DC Comics, written by Mark Russell, art by Steve Lieber. In this issue, Red Tornado thinks he's going to get fired the entire time. There's a little bit of a twist there, but he is continuing to work at this app that sells hero services. Superman is coming through them in this issue. I continue to really love this book. Mark Russell's Parody muscles are unparalleled. Steve Lieber is perfect for it as well. If you haven't listened to it, Mark Russell was on our live show podcast a couple of weeks back. He was? He was, and talked about this book quite at length, uh, so it was fun to chat with him about that. Pete, I know you've been a little on the fence about this, but what are you feeling about this issue? This is sad, man. I mean, it's sad to see superheroes struggle with day jobs. You know what I mean? Like, what hope Mm -hmm. do I have? You know what I mean? If, uh, you know, if a red tornado can, can't do it, how the hell can I do it every day? Well, think about it this way instead is you have a leg up because you have nothing else going on for you. (laughs) Ouch, man. Ouch. That, uh, (laughs) fucking really hurt, bro. So, uh, I guess, uh, one star, I guess one (laughs) One star, star, one star. This book is great. Uh, next up, new bird, number three from image comics, written by Chip Zdarsky art by Jacob Phillips. If you haven't picked up this book, first of all, it's great. Uh, but second of all, it is about a dude who works for all of the different mob families in New York city, solving mysteries for them in this one. Once again, he solves a mystery, but all of the different mob families are at his throat the entire time. It's interesting because it backseats his assistant, who has been our window character for this book. But I love the done-in-one nature of the mysteries of this book, something that I wasn't necessarily expecting for the first issue. But they're completely nailing here. Uh, what do you think about this one, Pete? Yeah, I I, I really love this, uh, especially this issue. Love all the action. Love... The art's unbelievable, kind of this noir, kind of whodunit thing. Uh, yeah, I was really happy we got some closure, some answers a little bit. And this issue continues to build in, in a really well-done way. This is just a, a, a really well-done comic book, and I think uh, you can hold it up to people who are like, hey, I want to read comics. Uh, check this fucking thing out. <laughs> wow, aggressive. Yeah. Also, why are you shoving comics in their face, Pete? Yeah, dude, people ask me what they, you know what I mean? It's like, and you're like, read this. Chew on this. Man, 
Sabretooth, number one from Marvel, written by Victor Laval, art by Leonard Kirk. Now, this is a book about Sabretooth, who, when we last saw him, had killed another mutant, I believe. And so because of that crime, they wanted to make an example of him, threw him into a deep pit underneath Krakoa. And we're like, you're going to stay there for approximately a thousand years or so, and we'll see what happens. Naturally, for Sabretooth, it doesn't quite work out that way. But Pete, I believe this was your issue of the week. So what did you think of it? What drew you to it in particular? Well, I just, I felt so seen. You know what I mean? Like, Sabretooth is really getting my perspective. It starts off with it simply saying, I'm in hell. And it's him looking around this shitty new X-Men status quo. And I'm like, I hear you, Sabretooth. This is bullshit. And he's like, yeah, look at these clowns. That guy can't even see out of that. He looks like a lollipop. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like Sabretooth's in my head. It's really just fantastic to see him making these comments that everybody knows and feels uh yeah i felt like this was really great ton of action and great use of of cyclops you know just like ripping his face off and just pointing his little pointy head around and zapping people really just awesome you know what i mean it feels good it feels great i like this maybe for different reasons that you liked it also, just, the art, I mean, come on. It's great. Uh, just the idea of taking Sabretooth and breaking him down to a point where he's like, I've done everything that I need to do. I've done everything that I've ever wanted to do. I've killed everybody that I've ever wanted to kill. Not getting, this is a big spoiler here, so tune out if you don't want to listen, but if you don't want to know. But getting him to a point where he's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't kill everybody for pleasure. And instead, <laughs> turning him essentially into the mutant devil of Krakoa is kind of genius. It's yep. It doesn't redeem him. It actually makes him more evil and more horrible, if anything. And the C-list mutants that they throw up against him at the end here, I'm so worried for them at the end of this issue. It's great. This is not... What I expected at all, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all, but I'm very excited to read this story going forward. Yeah, and there's this idea of like, all right, you're going to throw me in the pit. I'm going to make the pit my kingdom, and you come down here, you're going to have the answer to me. Just uh, just fun twists. Uh, very cool take. Great use of Sabretooth. Just fantastic. There you go. Noctera, number seven from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. This is kicking off the second arc of this huge hit comic book. As our main character has pivoted from not caring about anything to deciding, you know what, actually, maybe we could save the world from the blackness and shades that have engulfed it. Of course, there's going to be a couple of, you know, Speed bumps along the way. Not oh, come on. Come on, sorry. dude. Come sorry, on, man. man. I'm sorry. But this is great. And this is pointing to a very classic team up that is going to go on here with the bad dude in the book. Um, but it doesn't shy away from horror the entire time. Pete, what did you think about this one? Yeah. I mean, you know, Scott on our show was talking about this when he was on and was very oh, excited. Was he on our show, Pete? Yeah. I didn't know, Pete. Okay, great. Yeah, he was on my show. Yes, you should yeah, check it out. It's fun when you, when you make yeah. fun of me like that. I Anyways, mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so it was one of those things where uh, 
I, I really love the evolution of this. Like, we got this kind of, like, Blacktop Bill uh, origin story, and now we're kind of getting the team that's going to assemble to try to take this evil down. Uh, I love the kind of, like, you know, the trucks and all the stuff that we get in this. Um, uh, this is exciting. I'm excited for where this is going to go. Um, it, this is really cool how this story is all unfolded, too. Like, from where it started to where it is, only in seven issues. Pretty impressive. I agree. Next also, up, Art's World. Bananas. We didn't bananas. World of Krypton, number three from DC Comics, written by Robert Venditti, art by Michael Avon Oming. In this issue, Zod is going hog wild with the Phantom Zone on Krypton, while Krypton itself is slowly falling apart. Um, I I continue to really like this book, and in particular, I was struck in this issue by Michael Oming's art, which... This is kind of dumb of me, but I guess I didn't realize in the first two issues that it was specifically channeling Jack Kirby for a lot of this arc. Uh, That feels much clearer in this issue in terms of the influence. And that, to me, is the standout. Robert Venditti, always a really good writer, but the standout here, to me, is Michael Avon Oming's art, which is just gorgeous to look at throughout. Yeah, I mean, I want to really take a moment and talk about something Alex hasn't talked about yet. The art in this book is bananas. <laughs> I mean, wow, just really old, another level. Uh, reminds me of something. No, okay. Uh, but also, really fun. We get crypto here. A little bit of a, a crypto origin story. Very exciting. Like the Jewel uh, Valley uh, kind of backdrop here. Very cool. I am... I'm not a fan of Krypton. I don't like it when we go to Krypton, but I'm enjoying this book still. Uh, Cool. There you go. Next up, crossover number 11 from Image Comics, written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw. In this issue, we're getting the pickup on the big, huge game changing cliffhanger of the last issue. Then it turns out the architect behind everything that's got out of the book, the dome around Denver, the comic book characters that are escaping from said dome, is none other than Dottie Cates, uh, who is a character in this book. It is admittedly in the book something where he's like, this is kind of obvious. You knew this was going to happen. (laughs) But there's still a couple of twists to go here. And as it turns out, there's some huge things coming down the way. Should we? Can I mention what happens at the end here? Because oh man, I, I don't know if you want to spoil it for people. It's quite a reveal. Well, so here's the thing: is that we already have multiple comic book characters that have been in here, true to the yeah. title. Uh, Madman has been a major part of the book. The past couple yeah. of issues, the characters from Powers. I'm going to get their names wrong, but Christian Walker and Dina Pilgrim, I think, yeah. have been investigating exactly what's going on and what's been causing the dome. They've been talking to Donnie Cates about it as well as Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Obig, among other people. A little inside baseball. Uh, and in this issue, a trap is sprung. I'm going to go ahead and set it because I still cannot believe that Donnie Cates is getting away with this. At the end of the issue, the characters from Powers are trapped on a baseball field with none other than Negan from The Walking Dead. Oh, oh man! <laughs> comes out... With his baseball, with, with Lucille, Lucille, and it is basically probably oh. going to kill the next issue. I cackled out loud 
Like the, that reveal was unbelievable to me. And I was kind of like, there, this is, you can't. <laughs> Did you just, wait. And also, just imagine he's in black you? and white. Because they're yeah. all comic book characters, so yeah. it's everybody else is oh, in color. Yeah. Yeah. He walks out in black and white on this baseball. But also in this comic, one of the things I've always wanted to do is punch somebody through a wall and then yell at them to read more comics. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is, uh, you know, I mean, it was joked as this huge event or whatever, but man, this is a ton of fun. It's so good. I do think, and Art's I think. Art's unbelievable. Jeff Shaw's art is phenomenal. Like it's through the roof throughout every single thing here. And I can't believe he's drawing all these characters so well, but a lot of this book is Donnie Cates as a character talking about like, yeah, it was just going to be this love story between these two characters. And my outline got way out of control on me, which is a very meta commentary on clearly what's happening with the story. But as a reader, there is a part of me that's like, Okay, so get beyond this then. I want to see what's next because I understand that this got away from you. You are commenting on the fact that this is ludicrous, that you brought yourself up. It's the like the, the moment in Spaceballs where they're, you know, they catch up to the part of the movie and you got to fast forward to see what's next. You know? Exactly. That's Prepare exactly fast the forward. reference. Fast forwarding, thinking, sir. 100%. But uh, I want to get past this arc so I can see like, okay, I am actually invested in the story. So once you've gotten this meta stuff out of your system, what is next? What is going to happen next? Very excited to see that. This has been such a blast to read. Next up, Dark Knights of Steel, number four from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bengal. In this issue, we're getting a flashback as Bruce Wayne learns more about his origin story, how the L's came to this medieval time period and what changed there, and ultimately how he came to be a bastard son of the Wayne family and the L's. Uh, as usual, this is a really beautiful story here, and I this is just like as usual with Tom Taylor stuff, just really punching above its weight. I feel like, yeah, I think it's this really cool idea, very creative, uh, different, amazing, amazing art. This is fun. All right. Last but not least, wait, this, what was that? What? No, I don't know. It felt like uh, maybe you don't like it. You didn't have a lot to say about it. Well, I don't want to. You know, no, no, go yeah. ahead. You're allowed to say you don't like stuff. Uh, no, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just, you know, for me, like, the reveal was like, you know. You don't like cheating. Uh, sure, yes. I do not like cheating ever. But also, like, the whole Green Lantern of it all. Was like, oh, okay. So this is a big spoiler for the book, but it turns out that Lex Luthor is the Joker and also a Green Lantern, which you're not a fan of? Yeah, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to take away from the book, so that's why I was trying to be cool about it, but then you It's all right, man. We do a review podcast. You're allowed to review stuff. Right, but I don't... We love comic books. I love comic books. It doesn't take away from the comic books if you offer up a little criticism. It's okay, man. I don't know, man. I I don't know why you're being precious about this when any time we mention an X-Men comic book for the past year, you're like, fuck this shit. I hope it dies. I hope everybody at Marvel catches the plague and wastes away. That's not what I've ever said. I've never said that. All right. You know, Gordon D. White works at Marvel. This is I'm talking to our producer now. Can you play back the tape? Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm Peter Page. I, I hope don't know everybody at Marvel dies of the plague because of X-Men. This is my voice. That's 
Thanks so much, Barry. I really appreciate you playing the bag. Barry? Our producer. Oh. Last but not least, the scumbag number 12 from Image Comics, written by Rick Rebender, art by Roland Bashi. In this issue, the entire world has been turned into a 1950s-style dreamland, and our scumbag is running through it, trying to escape, trying to turn things back to normal. And as he does, he encounters classic characters from the 50s and 60s, including the Fonz and also the Archie Comics characters, at least this world's riff on them. Pete, what do you think about this one? Well, this it continues to be ridiculously insane and over-the-top fun, um, you know, uh, crazy kind of depiction of characters we know and love, but that's the kind of shock that you would kind of want for this. Um, you know, I want Scumbag to stop being a scumbag and start being better. So I want uh, Spider-Man to stop being both a spider and a man. Go on. Oh, go, go, go fuck yourself. But I really thought that last panel, I was like, you know what? If this is what it's going to take uh, for a scumbag to start learning, uh, then this is this is the only way it's going to happen. I thought it was pretty funny setup. This is easily the most ludicrous issue of this comic so yeah. far. And that's saying a lot. That is saying a lot. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. It's fun. They're having a good time. And Roland Bashi's art is a lot of fun in here, too. Yeah. It almost feels a lot more like a bad magazine thing than an Image Comics intense serious book. I'm sorry. What did you say the artist's name was? Roland Bashi. Oh, okay. What did you think I said? I thought you said, you know, Roland Abachi. Like, hey, you know, Abachi Roland Abachi. Uh, I'm a like, Roland Abachi. <laughs> what just happened? Okay, my bad. Not 100% sure. If you'd like to support our podcast, <laughs> patreon.com slash club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to podcast on YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Oh, yeah. 